first doctor I went to was like, oh, you're never going to be able to run because this isn't going to heal the right way. I re- really, I just fell out of love with running. Yeah, so actually, I found out in my senior year of college that I had a brain tumor. Sometimes I say running saved my life um, because if I wasn't a runner, um, I don't know if I would have caught it. You know, I couldn't walk by myself for a while. I had to use a walker to go to, you know, just down the hallway. And so I think what I learned from it is how much I really do love to run. We just got married. We just got back from a honeymoon. How how do you have cancer? You know, that it doesn't make any sense. It's not like life just stops. Life keeps going. So just stay positive and hard work pays off. Ohioans, we're a proud and headstrong people. Don't try telling us what we can't do. Those traits are reflected and alive in its running community. For a long time, I trained solo, separate from that community. I thought joining a running group would be a sign of weakness, that I couldn't do it on my own. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. When I finally swallowed my stubborn pride, I learned about the power of community. You realize that each of the people you run with has their own compelling story. And eventually, you start to care about those stories as much or more than your own. There is no more humbling, empowering, or motivating feeling than knowing you are part of something bigger than yourself. That's what the Columbus running community is for me. It is that something bigger. I want to share that with you. Columbus, this is your story. This is the 614 Runcast. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the 614 Runcast, the place where you can hear the empowering stories of runners around the capital city. Thank you for joining me from wherever you're listening, whether that be iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube. You've made a very good decision to join us today because I've got an incredible story to share with you. Our very first guest has been tearing up the race circuit in central Ohio. In the past few years, she has won the Emerald City Half Marathon in black flag conditions, won the 2017 Warm Up Columbus Half Marathon. She was the fourth overall female at the 2017 Glass City Marathon with a time of 259.38. She won the 2017 Bull Run 10K and both rounds of the Scioto Miles 15K in 2018. Just a few weeks ago, she won the Cap City Half Marathon with a blistering time of 119.05. As impressive as all of these results are, they are somehow dwarfed by her incredible story and all she has had to overcome to get where she is today. I am extremely pleased to share with you our first guest, everyone in Columbus's favorite runner right now, Molly Bookmeyer. But before we get to that conversation, I hate to be that guy, but I really want this podcast to grow. I really want my guest stories to be heard by the Columbus community. So whatever format you're listening to, subscribe, follow, like, rate, comment, the whole deal. The more you're engaged with the post, the more it will help me out 
with all those computer algorithms that dictate what makes it onto your news feed. Okay, now that's out of the way. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Molly Bookmeyer. Welcome, Molly, and thank you for joining the 614 Runcast. Um, we're very excited to have you here as our first ever guest. And I think uh, the first thing I need to do is tell you congratulations uh, on your awesome finish at the Cap City Half Marathon. I know you were already kind of interviewed once with that right after the race, but I'm curious, as you entered those final two, three miles at the end of the race, what was going through your head? So I think I was just feeling really strong. My whole plan for the half marathon was to go out and to try to run even split. Um, It's something that I've really struggled with in the past. So I think when I got through about mile nine or 10, I was running pretty, pretty evenly. So I was feeling strong. And um, luckily, there were two um, men that were pretty close to me that kept kind of pulling me along. I think slowed down a little bit so I could catch up to him. Um, So I think it was just once I got to mile 11, and I was still running the same splits, I knew that I could finish strong and finish the race that I wanted to run. So just wanted to gut it out and prove to myself that um, I could do it. Well, you sure did do it. You won the whole thing. (laughs) As you were going into those miles, were you at all aware or concerned of where the second place girl was? Or were you not even worried at all about that? Were you just thinking about you and your race? So I wasn't really that concerned. Um, I honestly would have welcomed any any other lady to be close to me to run with. I think whenever we can run together, we can pace off each other and pull each other um, along. So I wasn't as worried about um, somebody catching up or passing me. I just was trying to run my own race and stay with my pace because I really, um, for me, the Cap City was a race I wanted to hit my splits and use as a training run for my marathon that's coming up. So I think I did look around a couple times to see if there was anybody close. But like I said, the two people that were closest were these two guys, and they were super um, encouraging and kind of brought me along the the course with them. So um, that's all I needed. You mentioned you had goal splits you were trying to hit as you were going in. Was your goal to be right at 119, or were you in front of or behind your goal? So I wanted to run six flats. So I think I was pretty much right on my goal. I would have loved to be to break 119. I think that would have been like my my top goal. But um, I think I did run pretty much even splits. You know, whenever you run a race, it always is the clock. You always run a little bit farther than um, the perfect distance of 13.1. So I think I did run the splits I wanted to run. Um, I think I came in like 119.05. So I would have loved to break into the 118s, but I was still happy with it. Yeah, sure. I have a feeling you'll be breaking 119 sometime soon. So before we move on, I just I just got to say the whole Columbus running community is uh, so proud of you. And I, I think um, in some ways you've had a lot of great races over the last few years, but I think in some ways this was really a breakthrough one for you. And I thought one quote I saw that I think summarized it up really well into what, what that race and what you did means to all of us, Darius Blackford who is uh, the Columbus Marathon running director, or race director, I should say. He said after the race, um, he was there um, spectating for the half marathon, and he said, super encouraged to see Columbus running fixtures like Jim Tucker and Rob Wagner from my generation on the same course as the new guard, like winners Evan Schwartz and Molly Bookmeyer. And I think in some ways, that's a perfect kind of 
encapsulation of what we're all feeling. You really stepped forward and you kind of represent all of us, this, uh, you know, the non-professional have a job running community and, and seeing you do so well, we're just so proud um, of what you're doing. So great job. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that, yeah, that means a lot. And I, I have to say everybody after the race was super encouraging and supportive. And I think that's what makes um, the Columbus running community so awesome. So I'm happy to be a part of it. All right. So you mentioned um, you're getting ready for your next race. So go ahead and tell us uh, what, what your plans are next. And it's coming up here pretty quick. Yeah, so I'm running um, Grandma's Marathon, which is in Duluth, Minnesota. It's actually coming up um, less than a week, so it's Saturday, June 16th. So we're traveling, we're flying to Minneapolis on Thursday and then driving to Duluth on Friday. And so I'll be running the full marathon, and I'm excited to see what I can do. Yeah, I think we're all excited to see what you can do. The week before the marathon, you know, it's it's kind of different for everyone. Some people are very calm. Some people start to get nervous. Where Where is your head at right now? How are you feeling about it? So I think I'm feeling strong. Obviously, I'm nervous. Every Everybody keeps asking me at work and everything if I feel ready for this marathon. I think I told somebody, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to feel ready to run a marathon because it's so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I've done everything I can to prepare for this race. And I've had a couple of strong races. The half marathon was a good day for me. So I think just having run those races, I'm feeling ready. And then I I think I'm looking at it as just an opportunity to show what I can do. I think sometimes I get really nervous. And instead of getting nervous, I've been trying to work on just enjoying the experience. And I think even before Boston, Justin, you were telling me uh, how one, all your training kind of leads into the next training cycle, into the next training cycle, into the next training cycle. So I actually took that to heart a lot. And I think I've been thinking about that for my marathon week preparation, um, that no matter what happens, it's not going to be for a loss. So I should just go out there and enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. That conversation you're talking about, that was a big breakthrough for me. Something that I've gotten caught up into a lot in my training cycles. You know, every Every training cycle, you have good days and you have bad days. And something I've gotten stuck on in the past is when you're going through one of those slumps, I'll look back to last season and say, well, I was running this time last season. Why why am I not there right now? And I'd get super worked up about it. And it was almost like I was fighting myself. I was fighting myself from six months ago. And it's like the the work I was putting in six months ago is still helping me now. It's not a an enemy. It's It's all been leading up to this next one. So yeah, that mindset for me was a big breakthrough. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you're kind of having that realization as well. And, and you're 100% right. You know, I think you're going to kill it up there in Duluth. But if it if it doesn't go well, it's a learning experience. And, and you've got a lot more races to run. So it's nothing to be afraid of. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate all the advice that you've shared with me too, because I feel like you're always super positive. So that's helps me out a lot. Well, thanks. I'm glad I can help out a little bit. Um, All right, so we're going to go kind of uh, back in time a little bit here. The main point I'm trying to kind of get with this podcast is I want to share the stories of of different people who run in Columbus. So I want to go all the way back to the beginning. So um, what age did you start running and how did you get into it? So I started running, I think when I was pretty young, probably like in middle school, maybe fourth or fifth grade. I um, actually played soccer, travel soccer, and our coach at the time um, 
I think he was just like a dad and he was no longer to coach us. And so I was looking for something else to fill my fall sports schedule. So I started running. There was a a lady who um, put on like a little running club for younger people in my city. And so me and my brother did that. And so then I started running CYO cross country with my church and my brother, who's a year younger, ran as well. And so ever since then, I've been running. Nice. And that eventually led to a high school cross-country career, which as a high school coach, I have to ask about. Uh, (laughs) So first, uh, kind of the formality you got to get out of the way whenever you're talking about high school track or cross-country, you got to know what your PR was. Yeah, so in high school, um, I actually ran through my junior year because I was hurt my senior year or for part of my senior year so I think um in cross country my PR I don't think I ever broke 19 so I think it's like a 1901 um and then I ran like the two mile in track and I think it was like 1115 or 1120 or something pretty darn strong so you mentioned you were injured uh what kind of injuries were you going through in high school so it's bizarre I feel like whenever I get hurt I get the most random injuries Um, So at the end of my junior year, we actually, so we won state championships. And then since at the time, if we, if you won um, the state championship as a team, we got the opportunity to go to like a Nike team event. And so we went to that and we ran, but I always had some pain in my foot. And so after we ran the Nike race, I went to the doctor and I ended up being in a cast. And what happened was in my left foot, the second toe in next to my big toe, the top of my bone and my toe um, died and collapsed down. It's called Freiburg's infraction. So basically just I had a bunch of fractures in the bone and so no blood was getting to the bone. So the bone just kind of went away. Um, so I was in a cast for a long time to see if it could repair itself. And ultimately it, it wasn't getting any better. So then I had surgery at the end, um, I think sometime in the spring of my junior year. Wow, I didn't I didn't realize that. I guess how did that mentally affect you? I, I, it had to be tough losing um, your senior year of cross country. Were you discouraged or were you able to kind of keep positive through all of it? It was, I mean, it was hard because uh, like I said, we were on a high, right? We won uh, districts, we won regionals, we won states, we went to um, a Nike team event, which was awesome. Um, and then right after that, I was hurt and I couldn't, I mean, even I went to like the first doctor I went to was like, oh, you're never going to be able to run because this isn't going to heal the right way. Um, so I found another doctor who, um, obviously kind of guided me through and we were able to get a surgery that worked. And I was struggling mentally to know if I even wanted to run, um, because I don't think I was able to run. I had. So cross country was over in November and I wasn't able to run again until the end of August. Wow. So like right as senior year was approaching. And then when I was able to start running, I think it was only like 30 miles a week or maybe 20 miles a week, but really my coaches and my dad were super positive and told me that they, you know, believed in me and wanted me to keep running. So they kind of pulled me along and didn't let me quit. Um, so I ran my senior year, which obviously, I mean, I ran, but I didn't run very well because I didn't have much training. Um, but then I was able to run my senior year track. Wow, I, d- I didn't realize it was as serious as that was. That's incredible. So 
going to more of a positive thing. So you mentioned the state championship and how special that was. It's as a cross country coach who's trying to get there, and I'm sure some of my kids will be listening to this, and they all want to get there. What do you think was something special that about your team or something you guys did that that may have helped you along the way of becoming state champions? your team is the same way but the one thing I love about cross country is that it's such a team sport and we all supported each other um, and even if some people had good days or bad days we we're always there for each other and so um, our team we were just really strong in depth we didn't have any superstars but we were just we had a solid pack we had some of the pack where there were three of us who kind of alternated who would be leading the scoring for the week and then we had you know our next three to seven runners were all interchangeable as well. So I think just that strong pack um, and we all supported each other and we did a ton of team activities together. So I just think that bond um, and we had great coaches too, you know, who would not shave their beard if we would make it to regionals and just, you know, fun things like that. I think we just really all were friends and supported each other and had great support in our coaches as well. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, if you could go back and give one piece of advice to your, you know, 17, 18-year-old self, high school Molly, what would it be? Um, I think it's uh, kind of like what I'm telling myself today for this marathon coming out up, just every race is an opportunity, and don't don't get too discouraged if something goes wrong or if you have a bad day. Just every race is an opportunity to learn something, whether the day is perfect, whether it's raining. Um, you can always gain some something from that day. So just stay positive and hard work pays off all right so then at that point you graduated and you moved on to run at ohio state so how did you end up there was there any sort of recruitment process or did you just kind of always plan to go to ohio state and then once you got there you ran or so i um so obviously so i was hurt right my senior year or like from junior to senior junior cross junior track um, over the summer, and then my senior year cross country wasn't super strong, so I visited a couple of smaller schools and was recruited to some smaller schools, but um, I wanted to go to Ohio State, so I actually reached out to the coach at the time, and I went on a visit, and he gave me the opportunity to walk on, so since I wanted to go to school, I had the opportunity to walk on the team. I couldn't turn that down, so that's where I went. All right, so while you were at Ohio State, you ran cross country, you ran indoor track, you ran outdoor track. So I got kind of two questions that go along with all of that. First of all, did you prefer any one of the three? Was one your favorite or your least favorite? And then did it ever feel like it was too much? So I think there's different things I like about both of them. Cross country, kind of like the the team bond of cross country. Um, I loved how, like, we would travel with the men's team and go to a lot of the same races together, and we had preseason camp together. Um, so I think that's the part of cross-country that I love. But I also, the races, I love racing on track. So far, the actual races, I would say the outdoor track was my favorite. And, yeah, I mean, competing cross three seasons of the year is a lot because you have to think it's not just – not just competing, you you travel every other weekend, so you miss classes, you have to make those classes up, make up tests, so I think it's a lot. I don't know, I'm trying to think if any other sport really competes three seasons of the year, and I don't I don't think there is one, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Not that I know of. So I think it's a lot, but, you know, it's just kind of, you just do it because that's, 
that's what you're there to do. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something about college athletics that a lot of people kind of overlook, the travel aspect. And that's something interesting. This kind of get off topic, but I think that's something interesting with how much athletic conferences have expanded and stuff in the last few years. And you look at the Big Ten, you've got Nebraska and you've got Rutgers in, in New York. <laughs> I can't imagine, right. uh, you know, it being a Thursday night, you know, wrestling match or whatever, and you got to go from New York to Nebraska or whatever. So I think that's definitely a big part of it. And doing it all year round definitely had to be a challenge. I mean, it's it's cool because you get to travel all over the country. Right. Um, but it's definitely, you know, you miss classes. You may miss tests. I remember sometimes, like, I would miss tests. And since I missed the test, I'd have to take the makeup test, which was harder than the normal test. Mm-hmm. We're just, like, little cross-country runners just trying to <laughs> trying to get by. Yeah. So Yeah, that's that's tough. And I think it's especially tough for the, the small sport kids, you know, for the football guys who might, you know, in Ohio State, they're – football is what they do, right? That's what they're trying to go to the NFL and stuff. But that's definitely got to be a hard balance for the smaller sports where you're actually preparing for something outside of running, but yet running takes such a huge part of your time. So I got to ask this. Um, you, If I remember correctly, you ended up running the steeplechase quite a bit. How, mm-hmm. did you, how did you get into that? Did you run it at all in high school? Uh, you know, when when I think of steeplechasers, you know, of course, you think of the Emma Coburns of the world, who are these kind of tall, lanky girls to jump the hurdles. How did how did you end up doing steeplechase? Actually, one of the girls I ran with in high school, her brother was a steeplechaser, so I kind of knew about it. Um, we didn't have steeplechase at my high school, um, and I don't think it was like a high school like at the state championships or anything. But basically, I got into it because I wasn't fast enough at the 5K, so I kind of had the option of either running the 10K or the steeplechase. To me, at the time, running six miles around a track seemed like torture, so I decided to go for the steeplechase, and I thought hurdling was a skill that I could learn and improve over time. So that's kind of how I ended up there. Awesome. Yeah, I I ran a steeplechase, it was either once or twice in high school, and I I was not good at it <laughs> by the fifth or yeah. fifth lap or whatever. I think I was crawling over the steeples. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's tough. I still remember I was learning. I was in the middle of the indoor track, and, like, all the track guys were there, like, all the hurdlers, and they make it look so easy. But it, it's hard to hurdle those barriers. Yeah, you're not kidding. Did Was that some as, – as you ran it, did you find that you ever got to the point where – you were good enough at the hurdles that you were as good at, or were you always kind of a distance runner who just got over the hurdles? I would say I was always a distance runner who got over the hurdles. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I've been <laughs> to. But luckily, you're very, very tough. And as long as you're tough, I, I think that's got to help your case in the steeplechase. Okay, so I've heard that your, um, I don't know the specifics, but I've heard your Ohio State career didn't really end the way you wanted. And if I remember correctly, I don't think you ended up running your senior year. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what went down and what might have gone wrong? Yeah, so I I did I ended up quitting the end of my junior year um, after cross country. I came back after Christmas break and when I came back I talked to my coach and just told him I was done. But kind of so what ended up happening was I at the end of my junior year, so my sophomore year I had a pretty strong season. I think I ran a 6k and 2120 for cross country which was pretty strong there's no superstar but I was you know traveling with the team and then over the winter when we were doing I was learning how to steeple I I struggled a lot with tendonitis um, in my Achilles 
Um, I think that was just from being up on my toes and learning to to hurdle. So I struggled a lot with learning with attendantitis and learning how how to see people. And then, so so my sophomore year track went okay. Um, and then my junior year cross country, I struggled with performance. I I don't think I ever broke 22 minutes in my 6K. I was close, but definitely slower than my sophomore year. And at the very at the end of my season, I had a stress fracture in my shin. And I think it was just kind of a a timing of everything. I was frustrated that I was hurt. I didn't feel like at the time I wasn't getting the support I needed from my coaches. They they're no longer there. I think they left after he left after um, my junior year. And so and then I was also struggling with okay, everybody else I'm going to classes with is, are getting all these internships. Like I need to get an internship so after I graduate I can get a job. Yeah. So it was just kind of a combination of a bunch of different things and. I re- really, I just fell out of love with running, decided it was my time to be done. So yeah, I ended up quitting, which, you know, it was a, it was a tough decision, but at the time I think it was the right move for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, unless you're like an insanely good, like Olympian, there's always that point in time where um, eventually you kind of have to choose, you know, is running my top priority or is it, you know, a secondary priority and and if it's not your top priority you know sometimes it's it's got to take a back seat to things so yeah I guess, I guess looking back at that I know it was an extremely hard time for you but was there anything you learned from that that you think helps you today and also you know if you went back do you think you would do anything differently or do you think you would follow the same course so I think what I learned from it is how much I really do love to run um, because like I felt like a piece of my life was gone um, and it was really hard. And so I think what I learned was how much I do love to run and how much, you know, how much I'm willing to give up to be, to be able to run and to compete. Um, that being said, if I were to go back, I think I would still make the same decision. I think if I would have ended up running all four years, I'm not sure if I'd be running a marathon today. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have met my husband. I don't, I was able to experience a life like a year of normal college life and get an internship and be able to get a job after I graduate. So I think I would make the same decision just because it's hard to know what would happen if I didn't make that decision. But I definitely learned a lot about it and learned how much um, I really do love running and competing and the team aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think you answered that perfectly. I think, you did, I, we're seeing now you definitely made the right decision and but I think there was a very valuable sometimes when you have to step away from something you you realize how much it does mean to you so great and and I was just gonna say like in um in high school so at the same time in junior year then in my junior year I was hurt in high school and I really got back into running because my coaches you know encouraged me and believed in me and told me I want you know should do it and so this was the first time I had to make that decision by myself. You know, everybody comes to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the first time you do make that decision for yourself, I think that's really empowering. You know, I think in some, some ways the steps to becoming like an adult, I guess. But so, so if Mm -hmm. we go back to that time, you know, 21 year old Molly junior year in college, if, if I asked you then, do you think you would have thought marathoning would have been in your future or that you would come back to running and, not just come back to running, but excel at it and be winning half marathons someday? 
Um, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I think I was pretty much done with running at that time. Like I, I would go out and I would run with some, you know, friends like three miles or something. But at the time, a marathon probably sounded like torture. I didn't even want to run six miles for a race. So. But you must have come back around fairly quickly because by 2014, you were running the Columbus Full Marathon. So at, at what point did you make the decision that you wanted to do that? And, and how did that training start up? So actually, my um, oldest sister, she was a gymnast in college, and she started running marathons. And so she ran the Columbus Marathon, I think, maybe in 2012. And so I, you know, watched her and then... I just think kind of got inspired from her running marathons and, you know, we're competitive. I'm competitive. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm the runner of the family. So I want to get out there and try to do it. <laughs> yeah. um, so I decided to try to run a marathon. My training was nothing special for that race. My boyfriend at the time was living in Cincinnati. He was going to grad school. So I would go down on the weekends and my sister also lived in Cincinnati. So sometimes I would run, she did a running group down there. So I would do my long runs with them. Um, on some Saturdays and I also joined MIT and I would do some of the runs with them on Saturdays as well. But I definitely was just running it just to kind of get myself back into shape. Um, I was nowhere near the shape I was in in college, um, which was a tough mental battle, but just wanted to run the marathon and complete it. During your training, and I'm not 100% sure on the timeline on this, but I, if I remember you telling me the story, you found out during training that you had a, a, a health problem you had to take care of, correct? Yeah, so actually I found out in my senior year of college that I had a brain tumor. And so we were kind of just, at the time, um, we followed it with continuous MRIs every like three to four months. Um, but it was small and it wasn't growing too fast. So I didn't have to take any action right away. Um, but that season when I was training for that marathon, um, we, after talking to some different doctors, I went to a doctor in the Cleveland Clinic, um, talked to some different doctors in Columbus. Um, the tumor was, you know, more than, more than doubled in size. They were afraid that if it kept growing, um, it would start to push on some parts of my parts of my brain and cause some other issues. So we decided that I would need to have brain surgery. So we were scheduling the brain surgery for that winter. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, run the marathon. And I thought if I could get through a marathon, I could get through brain surgery because a marathon seemed that hard to me at the time. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's that's awesome that you chose to to look at it that way, but. How, that that had to be scary, right? I mean, if if when you heard you had a brain tumor, uh, what what did you feel? What what was going through your head? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the first time it was pretty surprising um, and scary. But you know, the way the doctor presented was, you know, it's small. We don't have to do anything about it right right away. So I think the fact that it was just a follow up, you know, the MRIs every three to four months you know, continuing to follow it, I think, you know, didn't make it as dramatic. Um, but I think I knew at some point we would have to probably take action on it. Um, and they, you know, they did some tests, they did like a, a spinal cord thing where they like, could get some my spinal fluid. So I think they knew um, that it wasn't cancerous because otherwise there would have been some cells in my spinal fluid. 
um, that they thought it was going to be cancer and the rate that it was growing and the shape of it, they could tell that it wasn't cancerous. I think that, you know, was obviously a great thing um, for me. I was lucky in that aspect. So, I mean, it was definitely scary. And I think um, the closer I got to surgery, the more scared I was. But I had, you know, a great team of doctors. Um, my boyfriend at the time was super supportive. My family was super supportive. And I don't know, I sometimes I feel like it was harder for my mom and my parents than it was for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think um, having the marathon and having something to kind of train for and keep your mind off things might have helped you stay focused on things outside of the brain tumor? Oh, for sure. I mean, having that community of runners, you know, I didn't, I didn't really talk about it to anybody mm-hmm. much, um, but just having people, you know, around having places to, to go running has always been such a huge aspect of my life. Um, you know, being able to train, have a goal to run this marathon and to complete it um, definitely took my mind off of the more scary realities that would happen in the next few months. Was there ever a point where, you or maybe your parents or someone close to you thought said something along the lines of like, maybe we shouldn't do this marathon, maybe we should take it easy, or, or was it all systems go the whole time? The way the doctors put it was just, you know, as long as I'm not getting any side effects from it, I could do it. So I think since they were fine with it, my I think my parents kind of were on the same page as me that, it, you know, having something else to do was a, a positive. I think it was pretty, it was, it was fine. Just, you know, be careful. Don't overdo it. Just make sure I took a break. In the interest of, of trying to spread knowledge about things, how did you discover you had the brain tumor? Yeah, so this is crazy. Um, I actually, so, you know, a lot of runner, female runners don't necessarily get their periods all the time. Right. And so um, I was suffering the same thing, and we always just contribute, you know, said that it was because of running. Um, well, actually, they did some hormone tests, and they found I had an elevated level of some hormone that was because of something was getting pushed on, like by my pituitary gland. So that's how they ended up doing um, uh, MRI of my brain. And then, so they actually found that little, a little cyst by my pituitary gland, and I actually still have that cyst. Um, but they also found this other tumor. So it was just honestly by luck. Mm-hmm. I might have had some side effects, but you know, you don't you don't really realize you have something different because you live every day with it. But yeah, it was, I mean, really by luck. And sometimes I say running saves my life um, because if I wasn't a runner, um, I don't know if I would have caught it. It was really my trainers and that you know telling me to go to the doctor and you know doctors like pursuing different tests. And so, yeah, really by luck that they found it. That's crazy. All right. So in, in the winter after that, you had your surgery. Tell us about your recovery from the surgery. You know, how long did it take to recover? What were you like those first few weeks after the surgery? What 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 did all that entail? So I had my surgery at the end of January, and I think I was in the hospital for about a week. I think I was in the ICU maybe for two or three nights. But surge, I mean, recovery was hard. I had a walker. Um, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't walk by myself for a while. I had to use a walker to go to, you know, just down the hallway and doing stairs was really difficult because my uh, depth perception was off. 
from this the surgery. And then I know the hospital after about a week I ended up going back to the ER because I woke up one night and the whole left side of my body was swelling in my brain that was pushing on something. Luckily I went to the ER, they gave me some steroids and the swelling went down. But yeah, I mean it was hard. I it was slow and I wasn't allowed to exercise really. I couldn't break a sweat. So I would I lived at home with my mom and my dad because I had was working in Columbus and lived by myself at the time. So I would walk on the treadmill because I could walk without sweating. So I'd walk maybe twenty minutes on the treadmill to just try to get some strength back. So I think I was home maybe for seven weeks and then I went back to work in end of March and then actually or I think sometime in April I um, started getting really bad headaches. One Friday night, I went out for a run, maybe just about four miles, and I just had this horrible, horrible headache. And so I stopped, I went home, and that night I ended up waking up, and I was it, it was so intense that it would make me sick. Wow. And so the next day, my mom came up, and we went to the ER, and it, what ultimately what ended up happening is they transported me by ambulance from Columbus to Cleveland and I had a second emergency surgery at the end of April because I had hydrocephalus which is like one of my ventricles in my brain wasn't draining properly so it was pushing on other parts of my brain so then I had that second surgery at the end of April which I think recovery from that was a little bit faster but still I was kind of back to square one with running yeah that's that's incredible so you had the surgery in the winter, had a second surgery in the in April. How long after that do you think it was before you were able to start running normally? So I think I started running maybe in August a little bit more. I know I ran the Columbus Half Marathon that fall, and I think I maybe ran like a 132 mm-hmm. in that half marathon. <laughs> Coming off of all that, go, still be able to go 132 is outstanding. Yeah, so I think... And then actually that, that winter, I ended up having a seizure when I was running. So that was a side effect from the surgery. So just a lot of little setbacks from that surgery. Wow, yeah. Well, around that time, it was probably a little after the seizure, but I think it was in the spring season of 2016 is when I think I first met you. I think um, we were both in the eight-minute pace group for MIT, uh, which was much larger back then. I think it was, there's about 20 of us in that group, I think. So I, I don't think we talked a whole lot in that season, but I can pretty vividly remember the first time we did a pickup together. I remember we were on the Olentangy Trail going north, and we started at Whetstone, and I remember thinking, all right, I'll, I'll go for a mile or two. I don't want to pick it up too much. And I think it was me, you, and I think it was Mark Kripe and, and maybe Matt Jordan. And you guys were flying, and we get to Antrim, and I'm just dead. And, and I remember you looked like you were unfazed, and you looked at us, and you're like, who wants to go to Thomas? <laughs> and I was just like, you go ahead, Molly. <laughs> uh, yeah, you yeah. kicking butt even back I mean, then, especially on those pickups. I mean, I think, you know, once I started feeling good and getting back into running, I just wanted to see, you know, wanted to push myself a little bit. Yeah, and so. yeah for sure. And I, I think there's probably something to be said for 
going through all that and I would assume, maybe I'm wrong, you can comment on this, but I would assume at some point in time you probably had the thought, you know, am, am I ever going to be able to run normally again? You know, did did you ever feel that way after your surgery? Um, yeah, I mean, I never knew what I was going to be able to do. I didn't know. I mean, simple things, like, like I said, walking downstairs and I couldn't drive, so running was kind of not even a thought, honestly, Yeah. Um, for me. Um but again, it was, you know, like I said before, when I quit and I love to run and how positive it can be for my health and for my mental sanity, you know, yeah. um, so just got back into it. Yeah. And I think it's probably, you know, kind of like we already talked about, like at the end of your college career, when you had that time away from it, it almost made you appreciate it more. I'm, I'm sure having it taken from you almost made you even more joyful to get out and run. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so then in the we I don't think you ran a race that spring that I know of or, or at least not a full. I think you were still kind of getting back into it. Maybe you did a half somewhere. But then in the Yeah, I think I might have done Cap City half. That sounds right. And then in the fall of six, 2016, we both joined ATP for the first time. And I think uh that's when we really got to know each other a little better. And I remember the first um ATP Wednesday workout we did together we were at um uh Worthing Way a little junior high in Worthington and we're doing this track ladder and I've always been pretty good at the track stuff and I remember I just I had a pretty good workout and I thought I just killed it and I finished it and I went up to Tim and I was waiting to hear you know good job or whatever and all he says is man would you look at Molly go <laughs> <laughs> so and everybody he goes she's gonna break 305 in her sleep so but, uh, yeah you were you were killing it on the track too but and I just remember you had such a good season and it was leading up to um Columbus you were gonna run the full again so you were taking on Columbus again and you were doing tempo runs and all that and I think um in Columbus that year you ran a 317 so a 13 minute PR so um, had a good race there, but you've certainly come a long way since then. Um, and then in the spring of 2017, we were both training from glass for glass city. And I feel like for both of us, that's kind of where we really took a step up and really, we kind of made our own pace group a little bit. We kind of split off from the eight minute pace group and we started working a lot harder. A lot of times, just the two of us on our Saturday runs. And we were dipping down into the low sevens a lot of times. So first of all, I want to thank you for being there. Because if <laughs> I don't know if I would have ever done that without having you to run with. And then in um in that race at Glass City, uh, we both broke three hours for the first time. And what was kind of cool about the whole situation is we, f we finished back to back. You were, you were five seconds ahead of me. So um, that was pretty cool. And you placed fourth in that race among females. And that was despite taking a wrong turn about mile 21. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that race? Oh, yeah. I remember you sent us the, um, the, the, the turn by turn math before that marathon. And I remember reading it to Eric. And there was one point where you like said that the half's going to turn right and we need to turn left. And I told Eric, oh, man, I better turn left at this spot. <laughs> And of course, in the race, I turned the wrong way. I turned right. <laughs> uh, luckily, I think I only maybe went 400 meters out of my way 
because I Jen and uh, Mike. Mike were there um, to to tell people to turn tell me to turn around and go back the other way. That was just kind of a blow to my head, and I struggled. It was at the end of the race, and I was hurting already, and then I went over the distance. But yeah, I mean, I think for the first time it was still like a 18 minute pr um the season was a lot of fun i again appreciate having you to train more with um we worked really hard and ultimately like it was still a great day yeah unless you've run a marathon before i don't know if if you know you say ah it was only 400 meters but 400 meters at mile 21 is is pretty tough to overcome mentally for sure and I think yeah and you know you're not thinking straight at that point right right yeah so that season was was awesome to watch how good you got and I remember you it was a little it was a couple months before that you did the warm-up Columbus half marathon which you were the overall female winner in that race too and um you you were aiming for like a 122 or something like that and I remember telling that I was at a cross-training workout class with some other really good runners in Columbus. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned to them, I think, I think Molly's going to go at 122. And, and they looked at me kind of incredulously and said, Oh, well, that's up by us. And I looked at them and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, so she, and sure enough, you beat about half of those guys. So it was so much fun to watch you, um, do, do as well as you're doing. So, um, the following summer, um, was a little crazy for both of us. We both got um, married, we were each at each other's weddings and, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but you were still managing to absolutely just kill it in training. And I remember talking with Dave Calvert and, and other people who, who work closely with you. And, um, you know, we were all kind of expecting this to be the marathon where you really broke through as you trained for Indy. And then, uh, you got some pretty tough news that you had to deal with. So why don't, why don't you take us through that summer and what all happened? Yeah, I mean, so the summer was fun. I'm super busy with planning the wedding. I remember, I think I told you, man, I'm never going to plan a wedding and run a marathon <laughs> again. So hopefully, you know, that should never happen. Yeah. But that was a lot, a lot of work to do both. We, um, we got married at the end of August. We went on our honeymoon. And then um, I think it was only a week or two after we got back from our honeymoon, my husband was complaining about some pain in his stomach and his back. I told him, I was like, well, you should go to the doctor. And so ultimately what ended up camp, uh, happening was he was diagnosed with um, testicular cancer in September, which was, again, just a shock. You know, we just got married. We just got back from a honeymoon. How how do you have cancer? You know, that it doesn't make any sense. Um, so things, I mean, I think I took it pretty hard. I remember I was going to some workouts on Wednesday nights and, I try to keep myself together, but sometimes I'd end up in tears or, you know, even at work, people were asking me how things were going and I, and I would sometimes break down and cry, which, you know, it's not, I try to be as strong as I can, but it was just, it was a tough, a tough time. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone blames you for, for having to take some, some time to be a little emotional. I, I don't think that has anything to do with uh, not being strong or anything like that, but that's about, that's, that's about nightmare scenario right there I, I can't think of worse news to get after you just get back from your honeymoon other than you know your significant other's been diagnosed with cancer so I guess during that time you know how how did that change things did uh 
did you have to alter your training at all to, to be home more often? Did, did it, I mean, mentally it had to be exhausting and take a toll. How, how did that fit into your running life? So I remember I told him about it at the time. He said, well, you're still going to do the marathon. And I said, yeah, I still plan to do the marathon because the marathon was in November. Um, and he, the, the treat, plan of treatment was he was going to have a surgery in October to remove the tumor. So we had that surgery in October. It was the week before the Columbus Marathon where I ended up running like the half marathon as part of my long run. So then I, you know, it was one of those things where we thought after that first surgery, we'd be done. Um, but then, you know, he has a first surgery, then he has a follow-up, then the follow-up, you know, they, they found that it spread to some lymph nodes in um, his back stomach cavity or in his back cavity of where your stomach is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he needed a second surgery to remove the tumor that spread to those lymph nodes. So I think, again, I running was kind of my outlook or my outlet. Mm-hmm. We try to keep life as normal as possible uh, because there's not much else you can do. You know, it's not like life just stops. Life keeps going. We still have to go to work. Uh, he was still working. Every, you know, life co- continues on. So we were just trying the most that we could to keep to keep everything going, but definitely struggled emotionally. I ended up running the Indianapolis Marathon. I think I ran like a 301 Mm -hmm. and I was like devastated with that time. Um, I completely broke down in the middle of the race. I just, it was just a lot to handle um, emotionally. And I remember on the car ride home, I was, you know, I was crying to my husband about how unfair this was. So I'm crying to my husband, the one who has cancer about, you know, everything, how hard it is and how it's not fair, you know, but he's, you know, he's tough and he, I think I was just emotionally exhausted from everything, from running a marathon, from dealing with all of his, everything that was going on in our life at the time. Um, So it definitely, definitely was tough, but just try to get through that marathon. And after that marathon, um, I decided that I just needed a break. Um, So I would run some, but nothing, nothing crazy. Just kind of took time for myself to do what I needed to do to take care of my husband. Cause he, he had a second surgery at the, the day before Thanksgiving is when he had a second surgery, which was a more intense surgery. I think he was in the hospital for maybe like five days, four nights, or maybe five nights, six days. And then um, I remember in the surgery when the doctor came out to tell me how it went, he told me that the tumor that there was more tumor around the lymph nodes than he expected. So once he told me that, I had this feeling that he might he might need more treatment after the surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so the surgery was intense. He couldn't, we had a bit of a diet. He couldn't eat more than a gram of fat per serving for a meal, which is nothing. Like basically we live on rice cake, grilled chicken, and that, fruits and vegetables is really all he could eat. So he lost a ton of weight and it was hard to, you know, find meals and that he could eat. So it was just a tough time. And then he ended up starting chemo, I think at the end of January. And of course, the first time we go to chemo, he's allergic to the drug. Um, so they had to stop that, stop that round of chemo and they had to find a different, different treatment plan. And luckily they were able to find another, it's the same drug, but they mix it with a different solution. So then he was able to go through chemo, but it was just, you know, it was a tough time and running definitely took a backseat. 
but I definitely still use it as my outlook or sorry, my outlet to just have time to think about everything and run off some frustration and worries and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there's a, a lot to unpack there. So first thing is, uh, you know, as you were talking about the car ride home and how you were, you know, you were taking it hard. It was hard to say that. I, I, I was recalling back to early in our conversation when you were talking about when you had your brain tumor and it seemed like it was harder on your mom and your dad. And I think that, I think you were just on the other side of that. Sometimes I think in those situations, you know, being the person on the outside sometimes can be harder to handle emotionally because you feel so powerless, you know? And so I, I think that's an interesting kind of parallel in your life. Uh, and then in terms of that Indianapolis marathon, you know, this is kind of the worry I had for you going into it and what I was thinking about, like, for me in those last, you know, six miles of the marathon, when you're, when you're really just stripped down and, and really hurting, you know, you, you got to push yourself as hard as you can. And, and part of it is almost tricking your brain into thinking, you know, this is, this is the most important thing in the world. Like I have to make this time. I have to hold this pace. And I think it, I could only imagine that it's hard to do that when you know that your, your husband is, is, has cancer, right? So I would imagine mentally it's it's hard to take running as seriously when you have something really serious going on in your life, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely did not care. I mean, I, obviously I care about how I did, but it definitely was not the most important thing right then. Right. Um, and, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I was just, you know, I just, when it hurt, it hurt, and I was just wanted to be done. Um, I decided to run the race because my he wouldn't, you know, he – wanted me to run it if it was up to me I probably wouldn't have even ran the race um, but he you know said you put in all this training you can't let it go to waste so we still went to the race and yeah it was tough and I got a text from somebody who I really admire um, or look up to in the running community in Columbus after the race just saying that it should be one of the races that I'm should be most proud of um, that I completed so at the time I did not feel that way but you know I think that I think that's really true. Yeah, and that's that's such an awesome reflection. Um, you know, I can I can think of a few times where where I've had tough races or whatever, and there's always it's so nice to be part of a community where there's always people there to to pick you up, and and it seems like there's always somebody who says just the right thing, and and that's what's pretty cool about being part of the community. I also wanted to ask you. Um, you mentioned some of the nutrition and strict dietary stuff Eric had going on were were you also um kind of going through that with him were you eating what he was eating and if so how how were you able to keep running I feel like our dinners I pretty much would eat the same thing that he was eating just because I didn't you know want to be eating all this other food in front of him that he couldn't eat I wasn't running as much so I think I would eat you know we would have grilled chicken and something simple for dinner but I focus more on making sure I got enough nutrients throughout the rest of the day when I was at work um, and, or for breakfast. But it definitely was a struggle at that time to make sure that I was eating enough um, and that he was eating the right food to, for his restrictions after surgery. Yeah. So, so tell us, how, how's Eric doing now? What, is, is everything all done or, or what's going on with Eric? 
Yeah, everything's good now. Um, we just had a checkup, so that's great. So yeah, I mean, we're on the we're on the back end of it. So I mean, it's it seems like a different life. You know, four months ago seems like a completely like maybe five years ago now. So so that's it's great news. Yeah. And I mean, the doctors we were at the James, they're all incredible. So that's great. That's that's amazing news. So. Yeah, and and at the time, you know, as you kind of talked about, you kind of took a step back from running for a little while, and and understandably, you were were doing your own thing and, and kind of not running quite as much as you were. And and I know we texted every once in a while, and I'd check in to see how Eric was doing and stuff, but I really didn't hear from you a whole lot. And then one day, I was volunteering at the Scioto Miles race, and and you just whiz by in a fifteen k, going about six flat pace. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was so happy to see because, as far as I knew, you weren't you were still weren't running that much, but uh, clearly you'd been training quite a bit. So, uh, leading up to those races, what was your training like, and and uh, what what were you doing? I guess. Yeah, so I think over the winter, I um, so I don't like to run in the dark by myself in the winter because I think it's really dangerous. So I would run on the treadmill after work. Um, we have a treadmill at gym that or a treadmill at the gym at work that I'm able to run on. Um, so I would run up there and really, um, I think I just did some, like, I don't like running on the treadmill cause I get really bored. So the only way for me to run on a treadmill is if I break it up or do some faster stuff to make it go by faster. So I would do some marathon pace tempo runs every once in a while. Um, like it probably at the end of January, but you know, in total, I think at the time I was running maybe like 40 miles a week, 50 miles a week, um, which, I, you know, is still a decent amount, but just not as much as I would have been running if I was training strong. And then in February, um, once he was done with chemo, I was able to pick it up some more um, and just really start training. And again, I focused more on tempo runs. Um, I mixed in some faster parts in my long runs. And then I think, and the the other biggest thing I started doing is I got my iron levels checked and my ferritin level um, was low. So I started taking iron supplements, which I think helped a lot too. Um, so I think just a combination of all those things. I always struggled with tempo runs and the longer, in the longer races, um, the mental aspect. So I really think that tempo runs made a difference. Yeah. So uh, I want to go back to the iron thing for real quick. Cause that's something with a lot of female runners. Um, they need to get checked out. The iron supplements you're taking, is that something that you just go to, you know, a CVS pharmacy and, and get over the counter or is that something you got prescribed? No, it's something. So originally when I went to the doctor and they got it checked out. So I think, I think like my ferritin level is like 17. I think to be considered clinically anemic I think you have to be at like 12 mm -hmm. um, but you know reading up on it like runners obviously you have to have higher iron levels um, so I think anything I was reading a ton of articles where I was saying if you had anything below 20 to 25 some said 30 um, that you could be feeling the effects of anemia um, for distance running which you know I come home and I fall asleep on the couch at 7 30 at night so you know you know again it kind of all makes sense after the fact um, but now I just yeah I just go to CVS now to make sure that I'm maintaining um, the iron supplement. And I would say, you know, make sure you go to the doctor and get your levels checked. I think high, high iron, if you have too much iron in your system, it's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I encourage every, every athlete, um, 
female and male to get their iron levels checked out. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're just absolutely killing it right now and doing great. And I, I'm sure there's some people listening um, who who want to know what your secret is. Um, and I think any runner knows that there's not just one secret to things, but just some nuts and bolts of what your training has looked like for this marathon. You know, how many miles a week have you trained up to? What's your long run? And how many speed days are you doing? So my normal weekly mileage, I would say, is between 70 and 80. I peaked at 84 miles. The longest run I did was 24 miles. But I just did, I really focused on, so I did a lot of runs that were, you know, 20, between 18 and 22 miles. Mm -hmm. I, a bit, like a ton of them. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing I worked on is, again, tempos and longer repeat. So I actually never went to the track once. Um, I did a bunch of tempo runs. I did mile repeats, but not on track. Just um, there's like a loop that I do them on close to where I lived. I did two mile repeats. I did mile and a half repeats. I kind of just made it up myself this time. Um, but I knew that I needed to work on the longer, um, the longer stuff because mentally um, sometimes I feel like I break down, so I wanted to really focus on that. Yeah. So you said you were doing lots of 18 to 20 miles. Did you ever do two long runs in one week, or did you keep it mostly one per week? Um, I kept it mostly one per week. Mm -hmm. I um, So like I would do maybe like 20 or something on Saturday, but then Sunday I would still do 12 miles. So I was really lucky. I ran with two two great girls, Marissa and Cassie, um, and we would run on Sundays together as like a recovery run and we would run 12 miles. And I mean, I think it, this also helped me get through some tough times um, when Eric was going through chemo because they would listen to me no matter what. So my weekends, I were pretty heavily packed with um, a lot of miles. And then on Mondays, I would do um, not a long run, but maybe like 12 to 13 miles progressions. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you were kind of making it up as you go. I, I can tell you as a as a coach, we're we're all just making it up as we go to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of yep. you kind of learn the basics of of what you should be doing, but after that, you uh you kind of just try and hit things a little bit as as your gut tells you. Um, are you doing any cross training type stuff? Any strength training with anyone or anything like that? Yeah, so I um, I try to do core um, at least five times a week, 10 minutes of core. I go to like a, a workout class once a week. It's something I've been doing for the past couple of years. Um, it's really focused on like lighter weights, but a lot, of, it's like a lot of core and a lot of hip strength, which I think is really important for women runners and just total body workout. And then I also would lift sometimes, um, with some weights at home, just, we lifted in college. So I knew, um, some workouts that we used to do. I also had my husband help me write some workouts for lifting, um, uh, but no more than like 20 to 30 minutes when I did the, my lifting stuff. Yeah. But I think core is the most important. What shoes are you training in right now? And, and what shoes are you going to use when you race on Saturday? So I am training in the New Balance 880s. Um, and then I'm going, I race in the New Balance 1400s. Cool. Yeah, I, uh, I did a few marathons in the 1400s. It's a good shoe. Uh, our friend Adam, Yeah, I like it. Yeah, our friend Adam's also racing in the 1400s on Saturday, and, and he's freaking out about it. He, he's, <laughs> I don't think he's... Uh, 
ever done the mar- a marathon in like a racing shoe and he's been texting me and Dave asking if there's enough cushion and if <laughs> if it's going to hurt the last six months. <laughs> don't worry, Adam. Well, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, hopefully he's got enough pumps and those you don't want to break out new shoes on marathon day. Right, that's for sure. Okay, so next thing we're going to do is something kind of fun. It's a segment I'm trying to add to end out every podcast. Um, and it's real quick. And basically what it is is I'm going to ask you 10 questions. And they're questions that have... Um, you know, like one word type answers, you know, very quick question. And I'm going to time you. All right. So you want to answer them as quick as you can. And we're going to have kind of a leaderboard on all my guests on, on who kicked to the finish the best. So this segment's called kick to the finish. And you're, you're going to get 10 real quick questions here. Are you ready? All right. Yep. All right. I'll start the clock when I ask the first question. So favorite pre-race meal. Um, you can an oatmeal. Cool. Uh, favorite distance to race? Um, half marathon. A city you would love to run through? Uh, Oregon. Favorite. Our city, Eugene. <laughs> favorite post-race <laughs> meal? Sorry, what do you say? Favorite post-race meal? Um, a burger. Favorite song or artist to run to? Mm, Pitbull. <laughs> favorite running <laughs> brand, uh, apparel brand. Sorry, apparel brand. Yep. Um, New Balance. Uh, most muscle most likely to get tight when running. Um, glutes. Uh, start your race aggressively fast or conservatively slow. Aggressively fast, but that's not a good thing. <laughs> favorite type of workout. Um, repeat track stuff. And who is your running role model? Um, I, I think everybody. I don't know. Everybody. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I don't have one. <laughs> There's so much that you can get from so many different people. It's true. All right. So your time was 1 minute 11 seconds. I have no idea how good okay. that is because <laughs> you're the first guest, but we'll see how it, it stacks to other people in the future. So. Yeah, that's that's tough. I don't know. I'm not a one word person, so <laughs> me neither. But you did a good job. So, um, all right. So I, I think that's a a good place to kind of wrap up the conversation. But again, I do want to say, um, you're just doing such a great job, and everyone I know, you know, you, your name gets mentioned, and instantly just a smile goes on everyone's face. Like you are um, making so many people proud and and happy, and and as great as your accomplishments. Um, have been, you know, the, you won the Emerald City half, you won the Cap City half, you were fourth at Glass City, you're running all these incredible times. I think your story of all you've gone through, I mean, to be told by doctors in high school that you might not run again, and then to have the experience you had to, to end your college career, and then you had the brain tumor to overcome, and then you had Eric's cancer to, overcome, to, to get through all that and still be doing what you're doing is just absolutely incredible. So um, on on behalf of the Columbus community, I just want to say thank you for, for doing all that you do and working so hard and, and making us all so proud. And uh, on behalf of me, I want to say thank you. And uh, I'm really proud of you, Molly. So I'm so glad you got to be my first guest on here. And uh, thanks for the conversation. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate it. And I'm so once again, I would just like to thank Molly for coming on to 
the 614 Runcast and sharing her story with us. Some of those things are probably pretty hard to talk about, so I consider myself very fortunate that she felt comfortable sharing that with the podcast and with everyone listening. So thanks again, Molly, for taking the time to talk with me. And if you're listening, um, again, it would really help me out. Whatever format you're listening to, I'm putting the podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, comment, rate. Anything you can do to engage with the post uh, is going to help me uh, get it out for more people to see. So please take the time, if you enjoyed listening, to uh, do that. And also, um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm always looking for more guests. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Or you can email me at justin.kreps at gmail.com. I'd love to share your story. So thanks for listening in. Next week's guest is going to be Aziza Ayub. She is the Ohio State freshman 800 sensation that I was lucky enough to coach for a few years and get her started in the world of the 800. So I'm looking forward to talking with Aziza. So one more big thank you to my guest, Molly Bookmeyer, who took the time to share her story with us. And thank you for listening in. I'll see you next time.